0: Hi, this is Janesh, And this is Pranab. You tune in to the 30-Minute Hustle Podcast.
1: There will be work that you hate doing. Yeah, of course, you're right. You're absolutely right. You know, People, when they look at me or they talk to me, they're like, this guy's living his life. He's shooting all these people, good-looking people and stuff, and he's doing no corporate job, nine to five. But you have to do nine to five. Even if you're not going to office or anything to do 9 to 5, you have to wake up in the morning. You have to spend 2-3 hours trying to learn something new. Uh, spend another couple of hours trying to edit something that you've shot. Um, the more that you can do things every day, the better you can get at it. It's as simple as that. You know, Even even as a freelancer, practice makes perfect. More, you practice 9 to 5 every day.
0: Hey folks, we have Vinet today on the 30-Minute Hustle podcast. I've known Vinet since I was 12 years old. Vinay was known in our school as a top performer when he came to studies, theatre and sports. Today, me and our guest host Arjun speak to Vinay on his vision of coming back to India post his engineering at NTU and getting right into the hustle of Mumbai and founding Core Black Creative. On this podcast, we discuss the power of risk taking, vision and perseverance and never giving up. Today, Vinay is very well known and worked with the best talents and brands in India. So Arjun also gets into the details of filmmaking and photography. So let's dig right in. Hey Vinay, thanks for coming on to 30 Minute Hustle Podcast. Really, really excited to host you
1: here. Absolutely, it's a pleasure being here, man.
0: Uh, Vinay, tell us about what you currently do in Mumbai and uh, what do you do around media and photography?
1: All right, so um, I moved to Bombay about four years back prior to which I was in Singapore for six years, prior to which I was in Indonesia for like about 18 years, I think. Um, So, uh, yeah, I'm a a freelance photographer, mainly to begin with. And then I also do and dabble into videos every now and then. But uh, photography is my main thing. I am always behind the camera. So whatever can be done with a camera, with me being behind the camera, that's basically what I'm doing right now. And uh, as for me being in Bombay, um, uh, I would say that I think uh, Bombay is a kind of place, it's a city of dreams as they call it in India. Everyone wants to come to Bombay and uh, rightfully so because the kind of opportunities that are here at every corner of the street just depends on how hard you hustle into it. You can find the right street and you can like, you know, have like a moonshot thing going uh, for yourself. So, yeah, Still trying to do that. I have not reached any moonshot yet, but dabbling into it. Tell us about your
0: early education like I know we grew up together in Indonesia yeah. and I've seen your journey from from being a kid and then picking up your first camera and yeah. shooting in school mm. then getting on to NUS on scholarship which is like one of the most pre- prestigious thing to do. Yeah. You left all that and you came back to India, hit ground zero and picked up your passion. So what was that grit all about? Yeah.
1: So um I actually got into NT with scholarship. So um okay. uh but um it's I don't know, like I think school I was a very good kid when it comes to like education. I was um I think I had to be good because my dad was a teacher and all the other teachers knew me and the principal knew me as well. So if I was doing some Kira Kandi on the side, it wouldn't be nice. So I I, I, <laughs> I kept up my discipline and I'm like, you know what, let's just get through this uh, being a nice student. And so, so I did. I got uh, surprisingly, I got some decent grades back in school, and that got me to Singapore somehow. And yeah, in Singapore, my true colors came out. Not a good kid in education. <laughs> uh, uh, I actually, uh, I actually lost my scholarship because my CGPA was not good enough in two years. So you know what? Singapore sponsored two years of my education, but uh, the other two years got a little messed up. Nevertheless, um, you know, I think I think the education was not really very important to me because. I think what you do with your education is completely up to you. Uh, For me, the idea of getting that uh, Singapore opportunity for my education was to perhaps meet some people, network with the right people, uh, get a new place to pick up my camera and explore with. And Singapore was a great place to do that. And I think that just built up this uh, excitement and uh, further enhancement in the kind of skill level that I had behind the camera. I started shooting events there. Uh, I started working with a property company over there. So I started doing my, my forte was in landscape and street. So what I could sell with that was perhaps property photography. And I got my first job as a property photographer for a startup over there. I was doing that for 10 months before that stopped working out. So I left that and then I was doing events over there. And uh, while shooting events, I realized, you know, this is quite interesting. So uh, I was mainly into nightlife photography. So we used to shoot at clubs and bars and stuff. But uh, yeah, you Know it's still it's not that guy who you call, hey, come here, take a photo of me. You know, I was not that guy. Uh, sometimes you have to be that guy, unfortunately, it's a little disrespectful, nevertheless. But there's still an art to event photography, nightlife photography, which kind of like sort of keep me at kept me very interested. Why? Because in nightlife, you have no light, photography is all about shooting in light. So, how the hell do you get shit done inside that club? So, uh just I was doing that for a year and I figured out some techniques. I was working with a team there called Epitome Collective. I learned some skills from them. That was like the most groundbreaking thing that I've done in my photography career, perhaps. And what I learned from them is what perhaps I'm just implementing every now and then. Um, their control on lighting was so fantastic in a situation where there is no light. That just took me a wee bit. So you know what? When I moved to Bombay, I actually brought some of that skill set back to Bombay. The nightlife scene in Bombay I had no idea. I had no idea about the nightlife scene in India. So it was complete, like you said, ground zero. Uh, So my only way of doing something was to perhaps just explore network and find out someone I can shoot and explore that nightlife thing in Bombay as well. Uh, And so the way that people used to shoot nightlife over here is they'll put the flash up on the camera. Very simple way to tell that is there's two ways you can use the flash. You can use the flash on the camera or off the camera. A lot of nightlife photographers in India, not just Bombay, were just using flash on the camera and they were doing some technique called bounce photography, uh, bounce flash technique. But you know what? Uh, The way that I learned it from Singapore was a little different than that. So when I started doing that in Bombay, it caught the attention of a lot of people. And they were like, you know what? This guy kind of does something different. So let's call him to more events and stuff. So from there itself, that's history. So that's when I started started building my uh, footing in Bombay.
2: Crazy. So, so can you tell us a little bit about, you know, how you're transitioned from, uh, why would you transition from a um, uh, city like Singapore I and mean, you are getting all these really great opportunities So Mumbai is the city of dreams, but it's it's an international jump that you're making there. So, can yeah. you tell us a little bit about that and obviously uh, how the hustle is different in these places?
1: Well, in Singapore, um, it's really difficult to get a visa, especially if you're, uh, what should I say, you're trying to build your own branding, it's a little difficult. I, if I were to stay in Singapore, I would have had to find a job, which I tried. Mm-hmm. But I was you know, in the bottom of my heart, I was not very interested to find one. So I never really scored one, even if I got an interview. I don't know, it was probably me trying to be destructive about it, or just sabotage it, but it just never went through, you know. So then um, I was like, the only way I can build a brand or I can explore my own sort of vision or whatever that I have for my kind of work. It had to be in India. Because, you know, it's Indian passport holder, you can come do whatever you want here. And the only place in India that made sense was Mumbai. The hustle is a little different because in, in, in Singapore, I would say the talent uh, is it's an extreme. I don't know how to explain it, but it's either um, at maybe skill level one or it's at skill level nine. It's very hard to Mm. find someone who's in between. The people who are extremely talented in landscape, cityscape work over there, the great street photographers, the event photographers are amazing. Or there's people who just don't do that or just do it like passion or like time pass just shooting buildings and stuff.
0: So in India, the
1: the Indian hustle is different because you have everyone at every skill level, the population being so much more than Singapore, you have a lot more people at every skill level. So you already know where you place. So the hustle is different. Why? Because you know what you have to do to get to the next step. But there's so many people already at the next step. What can you do differently? So you just have to think a little differently to different, meet the right people, connect the right way, do the right gigs. And that's how you in India the connection gets you more places than your work does. So.
2: For sure, so, for sure. So is it just the connection of, you know, going meeting people, but also what about stuff like, you know, how you present yourself online, your digital presence, your digital profiles and all these things how do these things play in together
1: so my instagram is all about portraits it was previously about streets and landscapes cityscapes, travel blah, 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 blah travel, but now it's entirely about portraits so there's little i can sell with portraits you know if i want to do product photography hey where's your product images you know if i want to do real estate where's your real estate but i have a real estate portfolio which is from singapore so that works uh in event you just go and shoot and the easiest way to make money in photography is to start doing events Fastest, easiest events happen everywhere. You probably have a family relative who's having an event tomorrow. Go and shoot the event. See what you can do. You know, it's. I think the fastest, and easiest way to start making money in photography is that it requires you to understand how to use a flash, which again people are very scared to do. But um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, wait, what was the question again? <laughs> what is your hustle said, about uh, in Mumbai?
2: Yeah, it, no, it, it's different, right? It's not just about going and meeting people. Where oh, does yeah, the yeah. virtual hustle begin and where does the, oh, right. uh, you know, on-face hustle stop?
1: So I believe um, virtual hustle is restricted. So you can, of course, your profile can be whatever and you can try and the only way to perhaps interact with people is to comment on their posts and probably get them to see a DM, drop them a message, still requires them to want to connect with you. Very hard for someone to do that if they don't trust you, especially in India. So the fastest and easiest way to do that is to actually meet them in person. Uh, the first gig that I got was to shoot a DJ. And I knew that person from Singapore. So when I came to Bombay, I already had one gig. So I was not Mm. too scared about something because when I land, I'll know what the hell to do for the week at least. After that, it's all up to me. So then I I went to a house party. I found another DJ friend there. I just uh, spoke to him and he was apparently playing three days later at a club. And I'm like, you know what? Let me just shoot you. I'll do it for free, no problem. I don't care about the payment. But let me just see how the scene is. Get me on stage. I'll come and I'll shoot you. And then we'll see what we can do from there. I shot that DJ. There were four of the DJs that night. They all saw the work and they were like, hey, why don't you come shoot my event? So I got more events from there than I joined an agency to like an event company or something like that. And then I was shooting all their events. And yeah, I mean, that's it. I think think what you can do, how you hustle face-to-face just has more impact than just doing it over the virtual medium. Because the virtual medium restricts you from the person wanting to connect with you. You know, if that's not there, then it's cool. If I drop you a DM on Instagram right now, because we're not friends on Instagram, it depends on when you read it, if you want to reply to it. So that completely goes. Right now I'm talking to you. I'm already selling myself, you know? Just a computer. So so
0: when I say so you land up in Mumbai, you get your gig, uh, your first gig with a DJ you've already worked with, and you networked your way through that. And hmm. uh, what is your big break where you felt like, oh shit, I've done something and you know this is gonna scale up to whatever it is. so what does that
1: so now in, in event photography, because I was doing that thoroughly, I was also shooting portraits on the side. Um, that was just for so fun to learn. I'll come back to my Instagram later. But uh, I think the big break that I got was to shoot uh, DJ Snake's tour. So I was not really shooting DJ Snake, uh, but I was shooting. So you know, whenever DJ Snake plays an opening artist, I was shooting one of the opening artists, was traveling with DJ Snake to four states in India. So I think that was... Interesting. I mean, I think I had made enough of a name uh, to be able to do that, but that was really cool to travel to four different states and shoot. Of course, you know, you shoot the artist, but you also shoot DJ Snake. But uh, just to try and um, be a part of that experience was, I think, uh, really interesting to me. And that meant to me that you know what, I think my event photography is going somewhere. Um, people still don't choose to hire me because I'm I, I'm very expensive when it comes to my work. Because uh, in India, you know how work sells. If I say yeah, I'll do it for 10,000 rupees, someone else is going to say 2,000 and they're going to go to that guy blindfoldedly. Like They honestly don't care about quality. But the people that do, they're willing to spend on it. So yeah, and That's why I said finding the right corner to hustle into, you'll get the right work and you'll get the right payment for your work. But uh, nevertheless, so then I also, um, I had a friend, again, through connections only, a friend of mine introduced me to um, a person who, make, who makes custom bikes, basically. I have not shot bikes, I have not shot cars. So the only thing that uh, I was relying on was my understanding of light and my understanding of what this sort of content is supposed to look like. So um, then I got uh, a gig to shoot um, a bike brand. Uh, There's the custom bike basically, you know, four bikes that they had made and I had to shoot them all throughout Bombay and uh, that involved videos, involved some photos and stuff like that and the guy really liked the work. So he's like this is very interesting because I'm not Someone do that because I have no understanding of how to shoot cars and bikes. But the thing is, if you have an understanding in photography to read light and to sort of have an idea of what the hell you want to shoot, you can probably get anything short the way that you look decently good, presentable at least. So, um, this guy liked my work and he offered me like a monthly thing so I used to shoot his content for the next 10 months after that. All the bikes that he made, all the custom bikes, all the people that he sold to, the behind the scenes stories, some YouTube work for him. So that got me a uh, very good experience. Uh, I couldn't get to keep the bike or any of those bikes, unfortunately. <laughs> it didn't work that way. You should have parked uh, on for the bike. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I would have loved to keep one of those bikes. They're quite nice. The company is called Vodenshi, actually. So um, Vodenshi is quite he, famous.
0: I mean, yeah, he, I know exactly, them. exactly. Yeah. There
1: are a lot of people in down south who actually have more of the previously oh. custom made Vodenshi bikes.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. yes.
2: getting the r- right kind of people and them wanting to do your work, like what you're talking about, right? It's not about um, end of the day, knowing uh, per se how to shoot this or having a lot of experience in shooting a certain kind of thing. So how you figure it out and you can do so many different things, so many yeah. interesting things that way. Mm-hmm. So just thinking about that, right. In, in At least when it comes to things like this, um, you could say photography is your passion, but a certain type of photography, probably p- portraiture could be your real passion, maybe everything is not your specific passion when it comes to photography. So mm-hmm. within this business itself, right, it's balancing your creative, it's balancing your business, but it's also balancing your business within your creative, if you look at mm-hmm. it that way. So
0: yeah.
2: talk about that a little bit, how it is to, I mean, people say, yeah, you're a photographer, you're living your dream, you're following your passion, but that's not all true, right? You're mm-hmm. not always shooting something that you are passionate about. So how do you? Yeah, yeah, how yeah, does absolutely.
1: that work? So, you know, um, while I was trying to understand how to do photography a little better than I was doing before, um, on that journey itself, I realized my passion is not really photography or videography. It's to find, it's to find that uh, one in a million angle or one in a million shot where the light looks good, where the colors make sense and where the frame is something I'm interested in. So whenever I move around, I automatically like, I think I walk around with a viewfinder in my eyes. So I'm always trying to I'm like, oh, okay, that frame looks nice, you know, but that frame looks better if I walk three steps to the right. So I'm always, always just, you know, unintentionally, subconsciously doing that, calculating that. And so photography, videography, it's was a of course, way for where I can express this whole angle of passion, but I've always been observant about what looks nice. Um, so uh, when you talk about balance, there are, if you look at my Instagram, my Instagram has no client work. It's not work that I shoot for because the work that I shoot uh, for the client, it's, it's, it's a separate portfolio altogether that goes in under code black Creative. That's uh, something mm-hmm. that I found. It's my event company. But uh, what I do for my Instagram is basically how I balance my creative and my business. Exactly. Uh, my Instagram is always going to be, uh, it's portraits right now, but it's for anyone who sees it to understand that perhaps this guy knows how to color things. He knows how to frame things. And he knows how to interact with people. That's what I want my Instagram to show. So um, if anyone contacts me, they'll contact me based on the fact that, hey, you know what, this guy has an understanding of what he's doing. It's fundamentally strong. Because my portrait work is not, I don't want to pay you. You'll get a fashion designer or something. But you have to sell different kind of portraits to him to make work. My Instagram work is not commercial in any sense. It's my creative work. It's where I meet new people to learn new things. To keep growing you know it, it, it's what i do to not get bored of photography because shooting client work is i don't know <laughs> it's not my thing man you know i i the client work is going to be everything the client wants i don't get to in, interact with my passion of finding new angles i can of course put in my ideas but it's going to be what the client wants at the end i can take some creative image but the client will be like no make it look like that i'm like then Just find the guy who made it look like that. I mean, why are you here? um, uh, I think the balance that I find while, you know, the business and everything is, um, there will be work that you hate doing. Yeah, of course, you're right. You're absolutely right. You know, people, when they look at me or they talk to me, they're like, this guy's living his life. He's shooting all these people, good looking people and stuff. And he's doing no corporate job, nine to five, but you have to do nine to five even if you're not going to office or anything to do nine to five, you have to wake up in the morning. You have to spend two, three hours trying to learn something new, uh, spend another couple of hours trying to edit something that you've shot. Um, the more that you can do things every day, the better you'll get at it. As simple as that, you know, even, a, even as a freelancer, practice makes perfect. More you practice nine to five every day. It will just help you in it. So I do that. And <laughs> as for creatives, I, um, I perhaps maybe, consider my 9 to 5 work days as like four days a week the other three days i plan shoots i uh, i i i collab i collab with models on on instagram i dm them my work has thankfully reached to a level right now where if someone sees my work as a dm request on instagram they would like to interact and engage and you know be, want to be a part of that so i've worked i've worked enough to reach that level thankfully uh, but yeah that's it so you know business keeps happening uh, I'm keeping, I'm, I'm um, consecutively working on my uh, skill level every day by learning or watching something um, and edit, editing something differently. And um, yeah, the creativity comes from just doing these shoots, trying something new with lighting, trying something new with model direction and playing with colors. That's basically what I try to observe. So that's, yeah.
0: Balancing between your work, your passion, between your clients and your personal profile as well. So, what is the most difficult part about your
1: career? About that balancing? Yeah, it's to understand how much time you want to spend. You know, you uh, how much how much time I want to spend on what? Now, work is important because you know clients are going to pay you money. How else will you pay your bills? So, um, I I still I still have I've reached a point where in the start I used to just take up anything and everything because I'm like I can't be picky right now. Right now, I'm at a point where if a client comes, I'll understand their requirement. I will be willing to do it if they have the right budget for it. The problem with working with perhaps a client, maybe in the Indian market or whichever market, is that if you work with them at a value of X, just keep in mind they're not going to pay you more than X the next (laughs) time. They will say, bro, let's do this for less and next time when we shoot, we're trying long term, we'll give you more. I'm like, no, sir, give me what I want now. Next one, I will make it less. Same thing, right? I mean, Mm. everyone's happy, but no, they don't do that. They don't like like that shit. They don't like that attitude. So um, uh, pertaining to that, uh, yeah, that's basically just the clients that are there in India right now. The only way that I pick the projects is if I like what I want from the project, that I get to learn something, that I get to put all my interest into it. And, well, I'm getting the right budget for it because if I want to work with this client again, I will have to start with a budget that makes sense to me. Because if they do want me to work again, you know, the, the problem is clients always have a decent budget. They just say, uh, we don't have any money. That's just the case. Now the, now that they have the pandemic excuse also, pandemic, bro, no money. But they do have the money. You're running a business. You do have money. People don't want to allot money to quality social media marketing. They just want anyone to do it or someone to do it for the least amount of money. But it's it's important how you brand your images. Social media is photos and videos. If the quality of photos and videos is shit, your brand image is shit. But some brands understand that ninety five percent brands don't. So they'll go for the cheapest option.
2: It's kind of the problem in India, isn't it? You have a problem of yeah. plenty. There's so many people, so many things. People think, yes. hey, why do I need to go out there and and give my, you know, premium for this when I can get it done on paper
0: with yeah, something yeah. less.
2: And the, the, and probably 90-99% of the clients would be that way, right?
0: What is the difficult part about trying to be recognized? Because, uh, you know, the entry barrier to this profession is quite low because you pick up a good camera, you claim yourself. There, there are a lot of people who claim themselves as a photographer. Right? So what are the hardships to get that traction and plus uh, to be recognized? to be we- And plus, to maintain that recognition is a very big problem in this industry because you have so many of them coming into this industry. Right? So, how 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 do you differentiate there other than your your professional uh, career in terms of your clients you shoot with, your passion shoots you do? What is the hardship for a normal photographer to get there?
1: Even though there are a lot of photographers and they all are doing good work, they're taking good photographs. I think the simplest way to become a good photographer is to just understand light. So many people just don't know how to understand light. And the light, it just makes, it's weird, you know. Uh, and I've also seen a lot of photographers who shoot one thing really well. But when the situations change a little, they don't know how to do it anymore. There are photographers who shoot amazing indoor photos with studio lighting and everything. Once they step outside into the sun, they have no idea what's going on. Something, something goes wrong. I don't know why. Similarly, people who take good photos outdoors, when they come indoors, mm-hmm. they just don't know how to do the lighting anymore. Because they're like, this lighting is not warm. It's it's too harsh or too soft or whatever. I spend a majority of my time shooting outdoors. And at a time that no photographer shoots, which is 2 to 5. Why? So photographers love to shoot either early morning or late like in the evening. Because the light is magical and that warm, sunset, blah, blah, blah. That light is the worst light to shoot in. Especially if you want to learn why I say that. And that light... Within every 10 minutes, the light is changing and the colors are changing. If you're trying to shoot more than one image, suppose like right on Instagram, let's put 10 images in something. Now, when I start shooting at that sunset time, I'll get fantastic images. But to make them look the same is going to be balls ass work when it comes to the edit table. It's very difficult to correct the colors because as soon as the sun keeps dropping every 10 minutes, your colors are shifting, the sky is becoming different color, your skin tones are becoming a different color. Very hard to correct that. Um, so, But a lot of people choose to do that because they want one photograph. I used to shoot two to five because the light is consistent. For the period of the time that we'll be doing this video, even if it's five hours, the light on me will be the same because it's the same light. So I used to keep my lighting consistent when I was trying to dabble into this. And then I just tried to explore with posing and expressions and locations and stuff like that. Now, when you see how I try to make my work a little different, I knew what people are doing in India. They love trends. The only trend that was going on for a very long period of time was the fairy light trend. There's a photographer called Brandon and He brought these fairy lights into photography and Instagram and everyone wanted to do that goddamn thing. For the rest of their lives, they're still doing it. And whenever I see a photo, I'm like, why? It's over, bro. Like, step out of it. So, Indian photographers are good, but they're always a sucker for trends so for me the most important thing was to find um find a trend and not do it if this is what someone else is doing I'm not going to do it I'm not even going to dabble into it I have nothing to do with this trend because I don't connect with this trend I don't want to use fairy lights. why should I use because everyone else is doing it I just spent so much time shooting outdoors I spent so much time shooting at a time that no photographer shot at and I tried to perfect it I try to work with different people to understand how to direct them differently. I try to um, shoot with different lenses too. So when I go out there, when I go out to outdoors, I don't take all my lenses. I just take one lens. I'm going to work with that lens only for a period of time, like three months, I was shooting on one lens Then for another three months, another lens. So I try to perfect everything step by step. So um, uh, when it comes to lighting, I have understood that because I have shot in no light with my event work and I've shot in the worst light when it comes to outdoor portraits. So spending the lockdown indoors kind of gave me a good heads up on that because I had a good idea of how to control my lighting. So I believe my forte became lighting and my forte became framing and talking to the subject, which I still feel a lot of photographers don't know how to do in India. So that's all I worked on. And so, perhaps that so, just stands me out a little a little different from them in the kind of work that I do. What
0: do you mean by talking to your subject? Like How do, how do you break them down to understand uh, and how you make your work come out better?
1: Yeah, okay. So the mentality that photographers have uh, is that they will have a reference images, like I want to create this and they will show it to the model, do this. Model is going to be like, "Uh, I don't know what that is, bro, but I will try. Photographer is going to be like, no, until you do that, I will not be very happy. So it's automatically some general purpose confusion going on and no one is getting what they want because the model does not know what she's doing and the photographer is trying to make her do something that she's not good at. So the important thing that I try to do is to understand what the model is. Her characteristic is she um, is she good at the moody stuff or is she good at happy stuff or what is her mood? I always observe that. So whenever I do, I do three looks whenever I shoot outdoors or with anyone. My first look is to understand what the model does best. I will make her sit, stand, look left, look right. I will make her do all sorts of expressions, everything, change the lighting, blah blah blah. It's for me to understand what the model is and for the model to somehow gather, what am I trying to shoot? Once that ice breaking is done, right? You can shoot anything with that model. That ice breaking is what a lot of people don't do. And uh, a lot of people shoot, you know, these photos that you see background, it takes some blur, like Mm -hmm. portraits. Those are shot from like 50 meters away, basically, because that's the kind of lens they have used for it. A lot of photographers do that. They'll go 50 meters away. The model is doing whatever she's doing. Photographer is just shooting whatever he's shooting. No one is speaking. So uh, I just spend so much time shooting on a slightly wider lens. I'm always close to the model. Um, And with that purpose, I am always able to tell her what to do differently. I always give her a situation. I try to uh, make her create something on her own and then build that from what I feel is going to be aesthetically better.
2: Uh, just to follow that up, I mean, you're yeah. doing this yourself in Mumbai, but I'm sure you've got a a decent team or, or people who fall back or you fall back on to help yeah. you uh, take this forward with. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, these guys who work with you behind the scenes?
1: Sure. So um, I actually, when I do this creative work, for my Instagram, I'm working alone for that. Um, for any of the projects that I do, I do have a team. So when that event business, when I told you about that. I started showing nightlife, when that sort of kicked off, I didn't have to be at one place every weekend. I had to be at three places every day of the weekend. And I'm like, this can't happen. I, I can't physically do that. I tried to do that two times and I just killed myself. I'm like, I just do it exhausting. Let's just find more people that you can trust, uh, teach them the technique and let them handle the other gigs as well. So, um so I just found some people. So in, in Instagram, I was uploading photos and content from uh, my event work. People DM'd, and they wanted to join the team. Then I actually met up with one of them. Each one of them had some coffee with them. My only uh, prerequisite to hiring someone was that they should not fuck me over. A lot of the time mm. it happens that um, yeah. people learn something from you and they just go and do it. They'll do yeah. it for cheaper and then that's it. Like your business model is gone. Um, so I had to just figure out the right team for this. I only have four people in my team. I had uh total four people and then one, well, eventually did end up fucking me over. So I replaced him with someone else. Um, but um, yeah, nevertheless, the team always helps with events. I'm always trying to delegate the tasks uh, that everyone has to do. And uh, they just go at their point, they do the tasks. And I've trained my team members to do both photo and video. So whenever you talk about a team that shoots events, the people doing only photo and the people doing only video, that's how the team members increase. But I have three people or four people that you can call to an event and we can do both photo and video and we can do our best. Yeah.
2: For sure. So, so utility and just doubling up and making sure, you, you know, they can take care of most things.
1: Yeah. I always believed in keeping things candid and putting most people from the crew in the crowd Makes it less candid. Suppose if I'm shooting a very small event of mm. 50 people. 10 people are from my team. I mean, what? Like, the crowd is going to be like, this is ridiculous, man. Who are these mm-hmm. people? Keep it minimal. Keep it as simple as you can. Be invisible. The more invisible you are for event work, the nicer the photos are going to look. Because people just don't know you're there.
0: You,
2: you've you now looked at a lot of things that like you, you, you've seen. I mean, probably, I think, over the last eight years, maybe... Uh, The better part of the last decade you've been shooting, collecting gears, working with so many things, right? Um, So tell us, what is your gear philosophy? What do you use? What what kind of softwares? What kind of stuff? Can you tell us about, you know, what works for you and how people should figure out that for themselves?
1: Okay, some technical stuff. Let's see. Um, My software has always been Photoshop. Uh, I do believe that all editors for photography and stuff use Lightroom. When I started using these two softwares, I was using Picasa, like that stupid free Google (laughs) software a long time back. And then I'm like, let's try and do something better now. So then I tried downloading Photoshop and Lightroom. Lightroom felt too intimidating. I had no idea what was going on. Photoshop was a little more simpler. So I'm still on Photoshop and I should use Photoshop. When it comes to gear, I have only two things that I tell everyone. Every time I either go live on Instagram or any workshop I do or any YouTube video I make, if you have money spent on lighting, And if you have money, spend it on second-hand equipment. Cameras retain really good value. They're like cars. You know, if you can think of buying a 10-year-old car, you can think of buying a 10-year-old camera. It will do whatever you want, especially as a beginner. So instead of buying something that is like, you know, one lakh rupees, all these... uh, I think Sony has really messed up Canon and Nikon's dream, you know. They have come in with something that was so affordable and it did everything. And Canon and Nikon had nothing to do for three years. So everyone has moved on to Sony and everyone believes Sony is the best camera in the world, which technically uh, you can say it is, you know, any camera that you have in your hand is the best camera in the world, but Sony does a lot of things for you and for the value that it gives, it's pretty good. So I think, I know, I know, I believe that everyone wants to buy Sony these days, but I still believe secondhand equipment is awesome and it retains good value. Secondhand Canon stuff is really good because you get secondhand Canon lenses, they're everywhere. So, you know, it's not just buying the camera, you're also buying lenses for it. Now, if you buy a camera, like something, Fujifilm makes amazing cameras. But Fujifilm lenses are damn expensive. So Think of landing yourself a Fujifilm. Just believe that you will be spending a shit ton of money on buying lenses for it because they're very expensive. You have to counter all that, you know. Can't just have a good camera. You need to have something that you can sustain. I've always had a Canon when I was growing. So Canon lenses, whatever I could find secondhand, I'll just pile up on that crap. I'll be like, this is a good lens, let's try it out. I didn't want to try everything. Do I like a longer focal length? Do I like a wider focal length? I don't know. So I'll try everything. And to try everything, I bought second-hand stuff. So uh, right now, I have all the gear that I need. To the T, I don't wish to buy anything else. But what I'm using right now is actually this very tiny, tiny camera. It's a Fujifilm. It's a Fujifilm X400F. I also have my DSLR. But I like to use this for my Instagram work because it can be carried everywhere. Mm-hmm. Very simple to use. And this, you know, this psychology when you're shooting with someone new. If you shoot them with something that looks like this, it's like shooting on the phone. <laughs> yeah. They're it's all not
2: intimidating.
1: Yeah, they they are so used to being photographed on the phone that it just feels very natural to them. Especially if you bring a camera, they'll get a little scared. Uh, so Fujifilm, this is the one I just said I don't use Fujifilm cameras or they're very expensive lenses. But this one has only one lens that's fixed to it, I can't change it. So that stops me from buying more Fuji lenses ever yeah. so. Hey, hey,
2: I, hey, I remember back when, you know, at least when Canon 5D came out, right? At yeah. least for a good five years, if you went to yeah. any client, the, one of the first questions would be, Do you use Canon 5D?
0: Yeah. And <laughs>
2: Man, there's so many cameras that have come after that. I've invested on that. But no, hmm. no. Do you use five D? Five
0: D, five D. Five D, five D. That's so what?
1: No, I, I feel you, bro. I feel you. I've met clients who do that. So I'm like, no, sir, I don't use five D. But if you want, you can pay me three thousand extra, I can get five D for you. Exactly.
2: So, yeah, yeah so that's really crazy and but tell us a little bit about your light because you talk so much about light. tell us what you yes. use to light and reflect and bounce and cut the light and all these things what how do you do okay. that
1: so um people dabble into flash photography that's but everyone is told photography you have to learn flash so i did that too you know flash is important it's very good for events because it's a very small thing you can carry Flash to so speed lights are very chota sa. but uh, when it Comes to learning, I actually came across this light called a video light, continuous light. I used to do both photos and videos. Now, whenever I'm, I have a flash setup. I'm like, you know, to take video now, I have to switch on the lights, and it will look like shit because it's not that flash lighting. So, what these continuous video lights help you to do? They're also called Cobs or HMIs. What they help you to do is they give you light for your photos and light for your videos. It looks the same, this consistency. So. That helped me build this sort of content thing where I can do photos and videos from the same look same set and they will look very similar um, it's also you know this is none uh, of if you remember I don't know in computer science we had this term called WYSIWYG. it's called what you see is what you get uh, with, video <laughs> light, with video light with video lights what you see is what you get it's not intimidating you don't have to un- it's so good to understand how the light is coming on your subject is it soft is it hard but the flash is not very clear until you shoot the photograph until you fire it so i've been using video lights throughout i have four of them right now i also have a ring light that i use sometimes i also have these two wand lights they're called tube lights rgb tube lights so i have invested in every sort of lighting i have every sort of variation of the lighting light modifier because lighting is so important the only way i can shoot in front of one white wall is because i have about six seven lights to make it look different every time so, hey.
0: uh, I mean, yeah. I know you're a great actor myself and uh, an artist. Huh. I've seen you act through school
1: and you're yeah. in that. so do you have any, any
0: flair towards Bollywood?
1: Hey, dude, I would love to be a part of some theatrical production. It's just, it's such a hierarchical, politically influenced commitment over here that, you know, if you want to be a part of something for two years, you have to be backstage and stuff like that. Which I'm totally cool doing, but you know, I can't do anything else if I do backstage for two years because it's a very expensive job. But I would love to be a part of acting. The only sort of acting that I'm dabbling into is to start my YouTube channel because I get to record myself doing shit. So <laughs> that is my small snippet way of doing something in so, of the camera.
0: Has acting also influenced in what you do right now? I mean like do you see yourself do you tell the models or who your whoever you're shooting how to enact? Differently, or do
1: you showcase your skills over there to do some yeah, things? Up? So I, how so, I used to dance in school, if you remember. I also yeah. used to play instruments, you instruments. You're playing drums ice, all the while, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So, you know, I believe if you're a photographer only and you don't do anything else, you will just be a photographer only. I think you have to dabble into everything to figure out how you can further uplift your photography. Now, the theatrical bit that you're asking. That comes into play when I'm talking to clients, when I'm talking to the model and trying to communicate, you know. Uh, there's this uh, stage fright, if you may. that's not there anymore. So There's no stage fright when I'm trying to communicate with the model. There is the uh, enunciation that I've learned through the whole theater thing that we used for 13 years um, that helps me talk clearly with the client and think, oh, I'm talking to someone. Oh, wow. Nice. Very cool. So all that, you know, it, it just it builds a very, very strong first impression that class. So that's where theater comes into play. When I have to shoot events, my way of shooting with the crowd will be, I'll go into the crowd and I'll dance with the people. So they just forget that I'm there as a photographer. They think I'm another person dancing. So my dancing helps me over there. Uh, And then the fact that I play musical instruments, uh, what should I say? It it helps you understand beat and patterns, which helps very profoundly in video editing. So whatever I've done in school, all these stupid activities, being my bonnet, all that nonsense, you remember, somehow it has helped in some form of my photography career in some way or the other, for sure.
0: So what is the first thing you would give back to school, give back to college and your career in Mumbai? So what are the biggest learning things you've attained from these three institutes, I would say?
1: Ah, shit. Um... From college, I think academically, nothing. <laughs> absolutely nothing. I literally, when my final exam finished, I hit all shift, all delete, and that was it. Like my engineering was over there. Uh, but I learned networking, you know, in Singapore, I started working with clients. Uh, I got a first-hand experience of that. I got a first-hand experience of knowing there are good photographers around you and that you are absolutely no one. And that's, that's just a good step to move forward. You know, that pushes you ahead. That's one thing I learned. In school, I would say it was still fun and fun and glory, man. I had a camera. I used to take pictures of flowers. Remember, we used to go and do that community and service work to so that uh, um, there was a I don't know if you were a part of our team, but we used to go near Suntar only and to school and teach there as community and service. Mm-hmm. So uh, and whenever I used to go there, that was my photo walk. I will go and I'll click pictures of flowers and click pictures of everyone doing shit. So that I believe is just the laying foundation that, you know, I think I do enjoy photography. And um, I think there is, I don't know what the future is because I had no intention of becoming a photographer. But it just got me more interested and got me more avenue sh- of shooting more cool things. What I'd like to give back is that, you know, I think they should teach us in school. We don't teach enough art in school, man. If you, If, you, if I was taught social media, how to talk to a client, all this in school itself, right in college, I could have started my business, you know. Oh, but financial made... management. <laughs> exactly fine. Oh, God, I need to learn financial management, man. <laughs> so, you know, all this stuff, they don't teach in school. It's such a simple thing. Instead of teaching social sciences that no one really cares about, teach them financial management. Already good enough. Yeah.
0: So, when it, so, uh, so there's a, there's a question we ask most of our, Uh, guess is that like you know we put out a billboard on the very big highway and you could say anything you want on the billboard billboard, what would you say
1: oh uh um
2: it's like an instagram i mean a a twitter feed that goes to everyone so what would you
1: say what would i say Hmm. i don't know I, i still think apart from everything Still very important to be a good human being you know there are shitty photographers they will work with models only to try and hit on them there are still shitty photographers who i don't think they know what they're doing but they are making money nevertheless they're still bad human beings is. just they're, i don't know they have there's some sort of mm. ugly going on with the personality i still think being, like behind every talented artist should be a good human being And perhaps that's, I don't know, something very diplomatic that I'm saying, but yeah, that should go up on a billboard maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Amazing.
2: Yeah, just a couple of quick things. So uh, can you tell us right now, like, you know, who who are the people that inspire you, who are the things, works that you like and and, uh, things that you really look forward to, look up to?
1: So, um... I will also mention the recent people that I'm following and why I follow them. But um, let me let me get to the idea of inspiration. You know, I was at some point being I was looking at Instagram to find what should I shoot next, and a lot of people do that. That's how they get inspired. You know, my, what do I shoot next? What is they're up to? What is the new trend? So I used to do that a lot, and I used to cater to what the audience wants to see. I stopped doing that at some point because I realized if I keep doing that, I am I'm not. What am I shooting? Why am I shooting this image? Because someone else shot it? No. I didn't want to do that. So I started pre-visualizing. So the only inspiration I have is me shooting the photo yesterday. That's who I am right now. I don't think of what anyone else is doing. I, I'm I just look at their work and I just try and observe the lighting that we used to probably learn from that. But my main source of inspiration is if I was this photographer the last time I shot something, now I have to be a little better than that. Whatever way. Try something else. Try something different. Has to be learning to every sort of thing that I do. My current inspirations are these few photographers online. The mm-hmm. only Indian photographer, unfortunately, that I follow is this guy called Andrew. Uh, He was a He's a work photographer. He shoots for GQ, magazine covers. He shot Ranveer and Deepika's wedding. That's why the coolest wedding photos that came out of any wedding from the celebrity market were Ranveer and Deepika. Because a goddamn editorial photographer shot them. So I think his work, he's not Indian though. He's, he's not an mm-hmm. Indian. He's a Greek, he's a Greek person. Um, I don't know. Just, I've not really followed a lot of Indian artists. There are two people. There, are Tarun, there is Tarun Kival, there is Tarun Bishwa. Both the Taruns are really good. And that's it. I don't follow a lot of Indian <laughs> photographers. People on the west side of things are doing a lot of interesting things. There's this one guy called Alessio Albi. Uh, Arjun, if you're into lighting, if you love observing lighting, just see his photographs and just go crazy on observation.
2: Wow. Alessio, I gotta I, I check lit- it out.
1: Alessio Albi's lighting and Alessio Albi's model direction is world-class, man. So I just, that's that's where I want to be someday, perhaps. Oh, most... yeah. Oh, wow. So Alessio Albi's God, right? So I, I still don't try and copy his work. I've <laughs> never tried. But the way that that guy uses lighting, I always just sit and I observe case he has <laughs> light, That's so good. That's it, right? That's the stuff that's, that makes
2: that's it. That's it,
1: that's it, yeah.
2: Amazing. Crazy, crazy. And um, uh, stuff like, you know, what, what podcast are you listening to right now? Are you listening to any podcasts?
1: Uh, I'm not actually into podcasts uh, a lot. But I'm on Clubhouse these days. I don't know if you guys are part of Clubhouse. <laughs> we all are yeah. part of the Clubhouse. DJ. Yeah, yeah. I think it started as a very late night, what the hell to do in life sort of thing. But kind of, yeah. If you, if you spend time to find the right groups and rooms, it's pretty good For actually. Sure.
2: It's For a sure. very
1: interesting Podcast sort of thing. Just keep it on in the background and just listen to people's views quite cool.
2: Oh, so, In fact, we were just talking, we should probably do a clubhouse before we release each uh, episode with the artist or with whoever we're taking it with. So yeah. then yeah. You know, it becomes a very collaborative, communicative
0: kind of thing.
1: So yeah, of course. now. just a new way of doing something. Why not? For sure.
0: Thank you for listening to the 30-Minute Hustle podcast. You can follow us on Instagram for all our latest updates. Until next time signing off, this is Pranab and my co-host Janush.